that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. And he said, truly, I say to you, that unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. For a few moments, only with the grace and help of the Holy Ghost, we will speak on the subject, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Uh, that statement would almost seem antithetical to the whole concept of being great. It would seem that humility or humbling oneself would not coincide with one's pursuit of greatness. Sadly, because of the world and the culture that we live in, we assert greatness with those who are domineering, with those who talk the loudest, with those who have the most to say, with those who are always at the front of the line. To set the stage properly, Jesus is proceeding to talk with his disciples along the way. And he has a, a, a point in mind whereby they will gather and they will fellowship. But along the way, they're having a personal discussion with themselves. And for those of you who know the, the culture of the 12, you could almost assume who started rising to the top of the list. Bartholomew is probably like, well, you know it's Pete. You know Pete the greatest. <laughs> Thomas is like, well, why, why I got to be Peter, though? I'm great. Uh, they're probably discussing further, and because uh, they're having an issue with determining who is the greatest among them, uh, they finally turn to Jesus. And as a matter of fact, Jesus, as they're discussing, he interrupts their discussion and he says, What are you all? talking about? What's all the cackling? What's all the whispering and the hee-hawing about? <laughs> says, well, Jesus, we really, we really want to determine, we really want to know who is the greatest among us? Who is the greatest in our, in our team? And the Bible says that as, as Jesus is uh, in the midst of them, he grabs a child if most of our children went to sleep, I would grab one of them. 
but I won't. I won't. Some of them are not asleep. Amen. Some of them are not asleep. I'll, I'll let them be. Um, and he lifts up this child, and he makes the child an example. Now, in order for us to really understand how deep this scripture goes, we have to view the scripture, or we have to read this text with an Eastern perspective. Because in a Western society, we glorify children. In a Western society, uh, and, and I would say we glorify them in a most unhealthy way. In a Western society, children, for many of us, we treat them as possessions or pets. Or we treat them as vehicles to manifest all of our unfulfilled dreams and desires. And so in that regard, children very much become tools and not necessarily uh, treasures. But in a Western culture, uh, also we tend to gratify them rather than develop them. Uh, it's going to make sense in a minute. I'm, 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 I'm leading to a, to, a, to a place. We gratify our children more than we develop them. This Western culture, I'm not talking about anybody personally, someone from a cultural perspective. We give them everything they want. There are literally stores for children. Toys are us. <laughs> there are literally stores dedicated to this ingratiating society for children. Nothing in there but toys. Uh, I've had the privilege now to travel to a couple of third world countries and by the grace of God, we'll travel some more and some of y'all gonna go with me in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Get your passport, get ready, you ready? All right, all right, man, we're getting ready. And remarkable that in Eastern cultures, they don't have these things. In Eastern cultures, the majority of the, of the toys that children have, either they've created them or they were passed down to them from another generation. In an Eastern culture, they are more concerned with developing a child rather than, watch this, uh, uh, gratifying a child. In most regards, we would think the way children are raised in certain Eastern countries, we would consider it to be inhumane. What do you mean? They got to eat that. <laughs> Remarkable to me. I, I, I had, uh, when, I, when I'm in a, a, a Tanzanian village, uh, in a home that is made with sticks and feces, a little child is blessed and excited because they have beans and rice. Like they're on 10, like it's Thanksgiving. I had to immediately in that adobe hut with flies flying around and that woman looking for buckets and looking for handkerchiefs to cover the bucket to give me a seat. I had to repent because I remember when I would cry and fuss to Mother Gardener and tell her I don't eat beans. Come on, y'all been there. All of us have those picky children. And we call them picky, but we don't understand that we develop their pickiness. You, you do understand that's, that's not like a genetic trait, right? Okay, okay. I don't eat that. Oh, no, they don't eat this. They don't eat that. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to drive three miles out of my way to get them what they're going to eat. Because I know they ain't going to eat nothing but that. And if we end up going to three or four places... Shoot, I ain't never going to not feed my kids. 
I'm reminded of when I see little children go bananas over shoes and shirts that are two sizes too big. And in some circumstances, two sizes too small. But they're just happy that the tattered shirt that they've been wearing for the last year, they can take it off and put a new one on and that the shoes that have holes in it, they can take that one off. And, and watch this. And this, this is literally one child. I've seen a child take the shoestrings out of the shoes and tie them around the bottom and the top just so that it wouldn't flop off their feet and was excited, ready to run. And I get mad at myself, even just last night, how many stores did I go to, Karen, to find my baby boy the Trojan shirt that fit him like his big brother? Nah, I don't want, I don't want my size, though, Dad. I want one that's tight on me. Because that's how Keon wear his shirt. (laughs) And I'm the father. (laughs) That's like one time Target clothes. (laughs) And go to a couple of them to find that shirt. I'm that dad. So you're not by yourself. But in the Eastern culture, they don't glorify children. They certainly don't get birthday parties. They're not even acknowledged in the general assembly. They don't, they don't get a voice. They're generally never heard of. The majority of them they don't even get to speak directly to their father until they get of a certain age. They are to be seen, but not heard. They are there to learn. They are there to to be chastened and developed into good men, good women. But in their childhood state, there is nothing nothing glorious about childhood in an Eastern context. Now, even if you want to, to, to multiply that and take it back to a biblical time, then you would assert that children were even worse off then. And so remarkable, when they have this discussion about who's the greatest, he uses this child, told y'all I was going somewhere, to be his example of greatness. They are to be spoken to, but never speak. They are to serve, but never serve. They, they, are, they are to, to, be, to be led and pushed and driven, not once considering their own personal desire. This is why most, most watch this, even in this generation, when, when most children from Eastern countries come to America, they are shell-shocked. They can't believe that that you can actually respond. (laughs) They can't believe that that, that people actually do this. This is why, here it is, most of them get the jobs before our children. And this is why at this school that I love so much that I was honored enough to go and study at, and some of us are here and probably the majority of the congregation got USC owned. But if you be honest and look at the student body, the majority of the student body come from Eastern descent. Why? Hmm. Because they, they treat children different. And I'm not telling any of you to cause your children to be subservient. And beat them down and treat them like 
slaves. But what I am saying is when Jesus wanted to teach us, his disciples, how to be great, he used an eastern uh, child that has no rights, uh, that, 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 that has no privileges, that their only regard is to follow the instruction of their father and mirror the servanthood of their mother. That's who you need to be like. To become great. Now let's, let's go deeper in this just for a few moments and then I'll let you go. The Bible says he calls them and he puts this child in the midst of them. Now because you have a group of 12 Middle Eastern men, they probably all were baffled. Oh, it's time for us to get our feet washed again? Why you bring this kid over here? Is it, is it time for us to eat? That's why you brought the kid. The kid's going to serve us. Watch this. Servanthood was native to all children. In Middle Eastern times, if you needed workers, you had children. They were born to serve. They were born to meet a need or a purpose. They were born, watch this, with a task in mind at their birth. <clears throat> Remarkable to me that we give our children so many choices. And part of it, I'm going to cut across the grain here. Minister DeMarcus, you got my back? You got my back? Okay. Part of us, the reason why we allow our children to, to live lives so contrary is because we did not plan for them in the first place. And because we did not plan for them, we then, watch this, we then elevate them to a place, watch this, where we say, well, they didn't ask to be here. But when you study the sovereignty of God, you got to understand no matter who you were sleeping with and what time of the month you were, if it were not the will of God for them to be born, they would not have life. So what we need to understand is that if you had the blessing of being pregnant, if you had the blessing of impregnating them, and if that child went through the full gestation period and came to life, they have a purpose. They got a reason why they were born. God didn't put them on this life to find themselves. God put them on this earth because he had a job for them to do. And many of us in our grown state are still trying to find ourselves not understanding that just like these Middle Eastern kids, you were not born just to be. You were born because there was some work that needed to be done. Have I lost anybody? So they're, they're, they were born for a purpose. And so when these Middle Eastern men, they see these children, they see servants. When they look at them, they don't, watch this, they, they see servants. They see servants. <clears throat> what do people see when they look at you? When these Middle Eastern men see this child brought before them, they immediately attach the child to the service that they render. When people look at us, what do they attach to our image? What do they attach to our presence? Just questions. And we're going we're gonna to beat this text. Here it is. Uh, verse 3 says, and he said to them, truly I say to you, unless you turn, we got to stop there for a second. That means undergo transformation. Unless you, uh, he said, unless you first turn, undergo transformation. Here's another reason why he brings the child into the gathering. Because childhood is the span of time whereby, watch this, change is most welcome and indicative. Oh, man. I'm, ooh, goodness. Here it is. The child, 
If, if your child is, the, is at the same place this year uh, uh, that it is this year, next year this time, you will take your child to the nearest doctor and say, there's something developmentally wrong with my child because they're not growing. They're not changing. They're not evolving. They're not getting any taller. They're not gaining any weight. They're not running any faster. Their cognitive skills are, are slowing down. What's wrong with my child? Every child, we expect them to change. Watch this. We don't, we don't get mad at any child when their foot is bigger in a couple of weeks. Well, we, we, we'll, we'll play, dang, slow down. Oh, my goodness. I guess I got to go get some OJs. Oh, my goodness. Let me bless somebody. Right? But we don't, we, we don't get mad at their change. We don't get mad at their transition because we know that with every change, is they're being developed, they're being trained, they're being made better, they're growing, and this is the process that God intended for them. If we are classified as the children of God, we should have that same mindset. Here's what the Bible says. We ought to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. And the problem with some of us is we're too old in the church. Oh, my goodness. Well, okay, okay. Some of us, and I'm not talking about your age. I'm talking about some of y'all, I just got an old spirit. No, you got a stale spirit. You got an undeveloped spirit. You are every year in the spirit, you ought to be growing. If you feel like you didn't arrive, then you must be better than Paul. Because I swore Paul said, for I have not attained all things, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind me, I press toward the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Unless you turn, unless you are continuously developed and made better and changing. Let me help you. You're going to keep growing until you die. And so if you're not growing, you're not good. Okay, okay. Let me, let me just put it out there on the table. You didn't cuss at us already. Amen. If you're not growing, you're not good. You can dress cute. You can act cute. You can do all that stuff you want to do. If you are not growing, brother, sister in Christ, you are a bad Christian. If you still stuck on the same scripture that you were dealing with last month, you, 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 are, you are a developmentally challenged believer. You can't be in a general assembly. We got to take you to the special church. You need one-on-one discipleship. You need one-on-one training. Laugh, but why you listen? He said, unless you turn, unless you are continuously being developed, unless you are continuously growing, unless we can put you on the proverbial wall of the Lord and see this year, you, your mark is a little higher. You, you ought to, you, you, you ought to be, be less pissed offable than you were last year. I know that ain't a word, but I didn't just made one. Unless you turn, there ought to be continual progression. Then he goes on to say, and become. Listen, he says, unless you become. In other words, that become here in the Greek, it it speaks of being developed into one's place. I was talking to somebody earlier this week, and, and we, we were in the car with one of the brothers of our church, and uh, he, he invited me to lunch, and I, uh, well, dinner, actually, and I just want that to be known. I, I take all dinner dates and reservations and lunch dates, and, amen, I, I, I like lunch, amen, I like dinner, too, uh, uh, preferably men. If you're a woman, please make sure your husband is there, and if you don't have a husband, then you don't want me at dinner. Uh, amen. Church about to grow again, you know. You guys say, hey, God bless you, Bishop. What you doing Tuesday? I'm studying the word of God with other men. With some brothers, we're going to be praying and on our face, fasting and reading. Hey, listen, listen. I'm delivered, not blind. Hallelujah. See, we don't, we don't go into the lion's den. Praise the Lord. We just, I'm good. I know he can, I've been in there and he shut their mouths, but I'm not going back. <laughs> I don't read that Daniel went back into the den. Like, no, no, he came out and he didn't go back. He was good. I've been there. I'm straight. Thanks. He said, you got to become. That become speaks of the development and to take one's place like children. This means 
that we understand. Watch this. This is what I was talking to the brother about. He, I, I, I said, we waste too much time trying to find ourselves. Save yourself some time and find God and let him tell you who he created you to be. I'm going to say that one more time. Y'all might want to share this. Just share it with somebody right now because I'm about to say it one more time. I'm going to give you three seconds. One, two, three. You got to take the time to find God. And when you find God, God will introduce you to who you were created to be. This is why, watch this, in the Eastern culture, naming a child was so important. Because the mother and the father, part of the gestation, let's go deeper. Part of the reason why God developed the nine-month period of time, because if he was, he so God, he could have made it to there. Where, where as soon as the man impregnated the woman, a child came forth if he wanted to. But the reason why he created a gestation period was not just so the child could get ready, but so that the parents could get ready for the child. Oh, my God. And so that, that, that whole nine months, that was time that they were supposed to be praying and fasting and seeking the Lord and getting revelation on who their child is. Can I help you? That, to a certain degree, here, this is what I believe. Okay, okay. This is what I believe. If God anointed you to be a parent, he also anointed you to be prophetic. Okay, okay. Even if you're just a prophet for your children. He anointed you to be prophetic because you need to have sight for your children. Here it is. Don't spend that whole pregnancy being mad at their daddy. Don't spend that whole pregnancy trying to figure out how you're going to pay for it. You better take some time seeking the Lord, asking him for wisdom and insight and prophetic unction so that when, you, when, when they arrive, you already got a name for them and you're not searching the internet and looking at some book or trying to put. Jakina. Janika. I ain't hating on your name. I'm just saying somebody wasn't praying. And this is why he says you have to become. I love, I love how Pastor PG said it on Mother's Day. She said he, 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 God created us as human beings. In that regard, we have to recognize that there is a place and a position that God wants all of us to arrive to. And so our, our sight and our ambition and our track must be toward that created purpose. This is why, here it is, Let, let's, let's deal with this quickly. This is why the enemy has to catch us up with lust and desire. Let, okay, this, this, this is why, and, and we can go, we, we can deal with sex, and we can go all the way past that, because some of y'all lust after food. Hallelujah. Some of y'all, some of y'all are adulterous right now with a burger. You like, you know, you cheating on yourself with some fries. You like... You done made a contract with 24 hours. And you cheating on the gym. Went in and out. Just double, double. I rebuke you. Animal style. Get out of my life. I mean, it wouldn't be so bad if you just got the animal style burger, but then you get the animal style fries, though. Like, oh, you just adulterous. You just lustful. You just, oh, help us, Jesus, right? But whatever it is, watch this. Here, here, here's, the, here's the deal. All of those things are put before us to keep us off of our task. Now, let me help let me put it in perspective again. Watch this. He, he, said, he said, food was made for the stomach, not the stomach for food. Let me deal with that for a second. In other words, anytime you're not hungry, but you eat, it's because now your 
your stomach has become a slave to that food as opposed to food being a slave. All right, all right, all right. But that ain't, okay. All right. So we're being developed into the very thing that God created us to be. So you, all of you have to know there is a place, there is a position, there is a calling, there is a vision, there is a ministry that God created every one of you for. And so you have to find your place. You have to find your people. You have to find your gathering. You have to find your way. And the best way to do that is to get in God. Let's push through this thing. He says, but if you don't do that like a child, then you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now notice this. Notice this. Just so it's understood, because many, many times this, these scriptures have, have been contorted to mean something else. And, and you have certain people say, well, that means you ain't going to, you ain't going to heaven. No, the kingdom of heaven, listen to this, does not mean heaven. The kingdom of heaven means the, king, the, the, the establishment of heaven on earth. Anytime you see the kingdom in front of it, it speaks of this, this, this invisible conglomerate that Jesus came to build for the time of earth. He says, you cannot be a part of this heavenly kingdom if you don't allow yourself to continue to turn and to continue to become. All right, let's push through this quickly. I, I would like to submit to you that many of the people who have been saved and who have the blessing of salvation have still not been grafted into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is synonymous with the kingdom of heaven. Ain't nobody talking about you not going to heaven. And can I deal with this for a minute? Any church that builds and talks up and scares people about going to heaven but don't help nobody live on earth, that's a backwards place. Because there's a lot of stuff outside of heaven. Yes, heaven is the goal, but when does heaven come here? That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because I, I, I could have swore if I read Revelations right that this, 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 in, this, this heaven that we're all imagining, that's going to be done away with anyway. And I looked and behold, there was a new heaven and a new earth. And so we, ha we have to be more concerned about the kingdom of God. So he says, if you can't do this, you can't, you can't, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom that God is building, you can't be a part of this. And this is why there are people, and not just in this church, but in the church of God in general, that are, that are just awkward. They out. Everybody, everybody clapping their hands and praising God and worshiping, and they like. The spirit is tangible and thick in the air where you can literally grab it and touch it. They like, they don't take all that. Let me go get me something to drink. I'm thirsty. My, my, my child is too loud. Let me take my child. What? 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 You got to be a part of this. And the last time I checked, this is a loud, busy, messy, uh, uh, confusing, but beautiful kingdom. Ain't nobody, Jesus, Jesus ain't worried about no kids. Watch this. Clearly, kids were so connected to the gathering that when the disciples were asking about who's the greatest, all he, a child was in arm's reach of him. Come here, baby. This is what they like. This is what the kingdom is, and this is who's the greatest. He goes on to say, but whoever humbles themselves like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If you humble yourself like the child, you are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he says, if you take on these childlike demeanors, and the two things that he's saying is the continual undergoing of transformation and the continual development toward a oneness, that is, that is the humbling that he's speaking of, a continual transformation. Here it is. The only way you are able to settle into pride is if you settle into not progressing. Pride can only foster where progression is absent. Man, that's good stuff. 
You can only be prideful when you have made a conscious decision not to progress further. And every person you know that is prideful is a person who has paused their life. Because if you have enough space to be prideful, then that means you, you must be missing the mark. You didn't miss a couple of years. You were a little behind. And this is why I, I, don't, I don't just slam pride for people. I don't just get mad at pride for people. I pray for them because I feel sad. I'm like, oh, you're not progressing. Oh, you're, you're, you're 32, still talking about that you were a prom queen. Oh. Oh, my goodness. I feel sad for you. You should talk about how you had 18 catches. <laughs> sir, you didn't go to the league. Sir, 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 sir. You should talk about with that last job, though. That last job. I'm ex- God bless your last job. What a new one. But what I used to make, though. You don't, don't, don't look at this because I used to bought. Okay, okay. God bless you. What's next? Pride can only foster where progression is absent. He says, but whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. In other words, as we see ourselves progressing, as we see ourselves moving forward, we have to be receptive of one another. Here it is. Pride fosters when we make decision, watch this, not to embrace people. You don't have to receive everybody you embrace. Anybody you refuse to embrace, that is a statement of pride. Because you're literally saying, I don't have to receive them. And when you say who you don't have to receive, you assert yourself above the sovereign who says whosoever will. So if God, the most sovereign one, says my doors and my arms are wide open and I shall receive, but you say the created one, I will determine who I will and will not embrace. You have now taken a prideful position. Here it is. I'm I'm, I'm not talking about when when they begin to mimic your attitude. I'm talking about when when they are new and and they are impressionable and they have that crazy open love. How many children you see rejecting others? They embrace one another. They receive one another. Send a, a brand new child into preschool. Y'all pray for me. But Karen and I, tomorrow, we're taking Christy to school for the first time. Both of us are terrified. <laughs> Last week, I just kept her with me two days. My wife's like, okay, I'm, I'm like, no, I'm going to keep her. I got her. I got her. I got her. We're good. We're just going to talk and walk and sleep together. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a nap at 12 noon with my baby. I'm just like holding him like, Lord. She my last one, Jesus. But when she goes in there, she's going to see, she's going to see white children, Spanish children, uh, 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 I, I, Iranian children, uh, all type of children. You know, we, we, we put her in Bellflower. There's a lot of children she's going to see in there. And she's not going to say, oh, no, <clears throat> you're Mexican. I don't, mm-mm, uh-uh, I don't like your attitude. Mm-mm, nah. No, she's, they're going to hug and they're going to embrace and they're going to receive one another. But watch this. The only way prejudice can be developed is when we have pride. It's not color that produces prejudice. It is pride that produces prejudice. I'm better than you. I have more than you. You don't deserve me. He says, if you receive this one, You receive me. Verse 6. We're almost out of here. He says, but whosoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, 
Let's deal with this quickly. When he says this, he is literally saying, if, because uh, I, 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 parents, hold on to your seats. Just, just grab the little hook that's in the seat. Just, just, just hold on to it. I'm not even going to look at anybody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look down. He says, if you produce a culture whereby they are prone to sin, it would be better that you kill yourself. Now, I ain't telling nobody to grab no millstones and go to Doc Waller. But what I am asking you to consider is what context have you developed for your children that causes them to sin? What have you made available to them that causes the, man? This is oh, it's, we're gonna be a great church. I promise. You. Let me be. Let me be great. Because in order for us to be great, we gotta get out all the gunk. We gotta get out all the stuff. We gotta have these conversations that we don't want to have. So you allow them to wear that, which allows them to look at them. And, and, and every woman in here, don't, listen, 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 because I ain't going to rebuke you right now, but I may later. Uh, you know how you feel when you put on stuff. So don't look at me and tell me, hey, it's just a skirt. Oh, listen, I rebuke my wife right now today. That's too short. But they babies. I don't care. Kaylin right now be like, do you like this, daddy? No. Get that long dress to go down to your ankles. I like that one, though. That's the one I like. I like that one. Don't hug you or nothing. I like it. Just, just ruffles and lace. I like that. Matter of fact, get that petticoat. Where is that thing? Put that. Listen. Ask yourself, parents. What context am I developing? How have I allowed my schedule to be so convoluted that my level of supervision for my child? Mm, man, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Set free, total deliverance. You know, sometimes it don't feel good. You don't shout it. Sometimes you're like, set free. He says, if you, if, you, if you prepare a context, if you develop a context, now watch this, watch this. He's not saying, because we looked at Job last week, right? Job says, I know them folk are going to probably do some stuff in their heart. But what I'm not going to do is put anything in their hand. The Lord got to deal with their heart. But I'm in charge of what they put in their hand. So I'm going to trust God to do his thing. I'm going to trust God when they away from me. I'm going to trust God when they, when Keon said he want to go to Alabama, and, and, and I, I'm, a, I'm praying, y'all, y'all help me. I'm struggling with that. I, but I'm gonna, when he go to Bama, I'm going to trust God. And Van Moody and Ty Moody and, <laughs> and Uncle Walter and all the people out there. I was like, go look at him. But you got to make sure that you're not putting anything in their hands. I'm out of here. Here's the truth that you got to catch. Humility builds a healthy fear and reverence of the Lord. It is built on a healthy fear and reverence of the Lord. How do I get humility? How do I do this? I want to make sure that I'm living humble now. It starts with, watch this, a healthy fear and reverence of the Lord. If you're not afraid of God, you're going to do any and everything you want to do. But I, I know there's a couple of people in here that say, Jesus is watching me. Let me stop. But then I'll, I'll, I'll also, that reverence. I love him. I honor him. Come on. All, we, all of us right now, as grown as you are, there's some things you're not going to say and do in front of your parents. Right now, today. You're like, oh, mama, I wish to. Mm, mama, if you mama. Go outside, hit that, hit that screen door. I would. What you say? Nothing. 
It's built on a healthy fear and reverence of the Lord. That's what it has to be built on. And so if you don't have reverence and fear for the Lord, you cannot be humble. That's why worship and praise and prayer and devotion is so important. The next thing I need you to hear. Humility is expressed toward others through one's concern for them. You'd be hard-pressed to tell me how humble you are if you don't care about people. If you don't show concern for people. One of the easiest points of pride is being, is being so wrapped up in where you are that you can't see what somebody else is going through. I'm not prideful. I, I just got a lot going on. Really? You got a lot going on. And so Jesus hanging on a cross, like, he got a lot going on. I'm like, I'm, I'm carrying the sins of the world, but I'm like, oh, mama, hey, what's up? You need a son. Okay. John, John, where you? Okay. Take care of my mama. You need a mama too. Be a mama. Okay. All right. Let me, let me get back to dying. Right. Whew, this is hard. This is dying. Eli, 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 Eli. Oh, you need salvation? Oh, okay. 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 Today, today, today you shall, you shall be with me in paradise. Okay. Okay. They throwing stones at them. They, they, they yelling at them. They yelling at them. Oh, 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 all of y'all. Father, forgive all of them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They, they sorry. They sorry, Lord. Put it on me. Put it on me. Put it, put it on me. Put it on me. Put it on me. Let me go back to dying, though. You just got a heavy bill. You just behind. You just sick. And I say just not to minimize what you're going through, but if you serve a God that's able to fix that, why are you tripping on it anyway? But you're going to let that issue that you're going through consume you so much that somebody is bleeding and crying on the roadside. But you like this. Oh, I can't talk to you right now. So, oh, my goodness. Really? You going to post that? Why don't you just call me and be honest with me and tell me the truth? Oh, I can't stand you. I know. Okay, God bless you. All right. Uh, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You will be humble as you are concerned about people. Concerned about people. You're not that busy. And let me help you. You're not that important. I, um, oh, so, oh, my goodness. You're not that important. You're not that important. I don't care. Watch this. I don't care what's going on in your life. If somebody big enough comes in, your whole life will change. You, at least at that moment. Watch this. President Obama walking here right now. Y'all be like, oh! And I'm not, I'm, I'll, I'll probably stop like, in the Lord's, whoa, Obama! What was I saying? The Lord, come on, let's talk about Jesus, Obama. Where Michelle? Because we esteem him above ourselves. Watch this. If a drunk person comes in, we will try to... Because we esteem them lower than ourselves. Yeah. And so, when we just show concern for everybody, then watch this. Nobody is better than us. But nobody is lower than us. And so we just show concern for, there it is. Last thing, and we're praying and getting out of here. Humility positions us for greatness. Everybody in the Bible that, were, that, 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 that rose to a place of genuine greatness, every one of them were positioned in a place of humility. In the life of the kings, there was no king greater than David. David comes onto the scene serving. And even with Goliath, he came, that wasn't, that, that wasn't an act of, of, of pride, that was an act of service. He came there on some butler stuff. He came there, I, I got y'all cheese and wine, guys. Got to worry about that cheese and wine. Oh, who that giant? And watch this. I'm moving. When we put our place, when they put ourselves in a place of service, we often find our opportunities for success. I'm going to prophesy and close my Bible. I believe they're about, I won't say 17 is young. Uh, 
I, I believe there, 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 are, there are several of us in here who in this new week, God is going to position you, watch this, for great success. But that opportunity is going to be on the other side of your humility. Do you receive that? Here it is. Every elevation I've ever received was not because I was standing in a place of greatness and everybody's saying, oh, he's great, let's elevate him. It was because I was on a parking lot. It was because I was, I was serving somebody as an armor bearer. We're going to have a congregational meeting in a couple of weeks. I promise it's going to be one of the best meetings you've ever been in in your life. I promise it is. God is positioning our church right now for great things. Great things. But I'm going to tell you what, though. Every person who sits at that table, I can look at every one of them, and I can point back to a place in the recent past where they were servants. Where they just served somebody. They cared for somebody. They did something for others. Listen to me. We're going to be great. Yes, we're going to be great. But it starts with our humility. Receive what God has said today and live better because of it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe you that we are becoming a great people. And we are becoming a great people because we are a humble people. So, Father, I pray that you allow us to engage in that turning. You allow us to engage in that becoming. And everything that pricked our heart today, Father God, we rebuke the spirit of pride in us that would want us to deflect it. But with humility, we open our hearts wide. We open our spirits wide. Yes, he offended me, God. But I understand that he, he offended my flesh. Father God, I won't deflect that word to my neighbor and say he was talking to them. I'll take it. He was was talking to me and so this week I will I will do the turning I'll start the hard work make me a child again in my humility in my service in my care for others make me childlike we don't want to be childish but God make us childlike so that you can do something amazing in our lives we declare these things to be done and it is so Jesus' name. Amen.